Hey everybody, welcome to Point Break Minute, where we point out the moments and break down the minutes of Point Break one minute at a time, brah. I'm Marin Kennedy. And I'm Jessa Lowe. And once again, we have uh, one of the guys from Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad Mendenhall. Hi, Brad. How's hey, everybody. Uh, glad to be back. Had a lot of fun. Jarf wasn't able to return. Uh, he's a very, very busy man. Uh, he had so much fun. Uh, we both did, but uh, I'm glad I can still represent Cosmic Geppetto. Absolutely. We're glad to have you, and we're glad to have Jarf for the, for the time he was able to spare. So we're on minute 13 at this point, which starts with, there are over 500 uses for this stuff. They're kind of researching the, the wax and like getting into the whole wax thing, and it ends with their trav, and it gets cut off. So yeah, they're, uh, Keanu and Busey are kind of getting more, their, their friendship is building, I feel, in this minute, and they're really kind of, uh, they're kind of jabbing each other, and they're, they're sort of, uh, they're, they're coming up with some, uh, some hypotheses and conclusions on, on this stuff. Yeah, so they're still sitting in front of that butt. Um, just just gonna <laughs> just gonna keep it out. Yeah, and um, they uh, are starting to talk about. You know, well, they're finishing talking about this theory about the uh, wax, the carnivaba wax, and uh, Keanu gives this crazy alternate theory <laughs> question yes. mark that we had to stop and listen to a few times because it was just makes zero sense. Um, he says. <laughs> A guy's been waxing his mustache at the beach. Gets sand in it. Takes it off with his shoe. Shoe scuffs the counter. Which, yeah. Um, and to be clear, that does uh, that refers to in the previous minute. Gary Busey says Nixon scuffed the counter on his way over in one of the the robberies. Oh yes, so yes. Something uh, the dirt came off his shoe. Uh, so, but still, this take takes it off with his shoe. I mean he. <laughs> He is just—he's uh, joking around a bit. He's just kind of trying to poke holes in uh, Busey's theory, just to sort of help him refine it. I think he's again—he wants him to be the best he can be, which is uh, what was said in the last minute. Um, the problem is, sarcasm is not Keanu's strength. No, <laughs> That's a good no. point. No, it wasn't until the last bit of this line where he starts to smile. We're like, oh, thank God, he's joking. And... Yeah, it sounds like he he's just says it in the same tone he always does, which is actually a problem I can associate with because I I know what sarcasm is, but when I try to be sarcastic, I often play it too dry and people won't know what I'm trying to do. Very so I, I can kind of associate with that. Yeah, so then um, they are talking some more about this wax and... Uh, Busey hands Keanu a can of Dr. Zog's sex wax, which after quick research, sex wax. it's the premier brand of sex wax. And um, Been around since 72. Yeah. So um, Keanu says this line of, you're not into kinky stuff, yeah. are you? He brought that up in the last minute, but it's actually in this minute. I don't know if it was a, it should be clarify for the, the, the people out there who want to, want everything to be just right. We know it's in this minute. Yes. And um, so he's like, you're not into this kinky stuff. And Busey gives the most threatening, not yet. And it's, <laughs> he yeah, laughs after it. Ish. <laughs> he, he chuckles a little bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it is uh, It is a little ominous, I guess. And yeah. as, we, as we were talking about in the last minute, it, it is a little bit prophetic of where, uh, where he ends up 20 years mm-hmm. later, sn- snorting coke off a dog. Yeah. Oh, poor that poor dog. Yeah. 
yeah. And then um, they start talking about how this bank robbery thing must just be a summer job for these surfers. How from June to October, um, given the previous year's history of these bank robber bank robberies, um, that's the amount of time they have um, robbing, and that's the amount of time they have to catch them. And they're doing some math, and what's really funny to me is they're talking about how they've already done, you know, this four months of, of bank robbery. And Busey says, that's right. We have one more month. <laughs> In the most school teachery way possible, like five minus four is one. <laughs> so they're just really spelling it out it's, for the audience. Yes. They're saying, you know, this they've got to get this done in a month. Yes. Or they'll have to wait till the next summer. Then the music starts. Yeah, the last three seconds of this minute, you get a little bit of the score coming in. It's kind of this like, oh, is this going to be a moment? Yeah, it, it, the, the the music was really subtle. It just starts coming in. At first, I was like, it didn't know if that was the sound of a computer humming. And then it made me realize, like, wow, there hasn't been music in the minutes that I've uh, been talking with you guys. It was sort of, uh, I, I guess... I mean, aside from the fact that there weren't action scenes or anything, but uh, a lot of times they'll have that sort of bed of music during every scene. But no, they they were sort of letting the, the the allowing the viewer to sort of focus on the conversation that was going on because this is important exposition for the film. I mean, this is really laying out everything that's the the whole modus operandi of the of the ex presidents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot of information to take in. And uh, yeah, the, the music, um, from what I can tell, was uh, three very quiet seconds. It sounds like it's kind of the 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 beginning of the music at the beginning of the credits. Sort of that oh, like yeah. sort of surfing kind of like uh, tone, just sort of tone, very uh, minimal kind of score. Uh, it sounds like it might be kind of echoing that. But that yeah, that was the last time in the movie, I believe, back in like minute minutes one, two, and three, where we had the score. And since then, it's just been talking. Would you be interesting, like, if if that's um, the music director's choice or if that's, you know, Catherine Bigelow's choice or what? It, it just makes for an interesting, like, more, like, quote-unquote, like, gritty-ish um, kind of mm-hmm. tone to the movie. Like, I normally associate movies without music as being a little bit more gritty, I guess, a little bit less cinematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is hazy. I don't know if it's quite gritty, but it has there's a there's a lot of smoke and haze and kind of an eighties sheen of griminess to it in a way. Well, even the action stuff, it's it's not very Van Damme. Uh yeah. it's not a very Schwarzenegger. Um Keanu I don't think Keanu wins a fight in this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he, he, he even guys... gets beat up by the girl in the shower, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So everyone's sort of on equal footing. Nobody's the Molly Sue badass. Yeah. Um, so that sort of gives it some grittiness where at this point, when you're dealing with 80s, 90s action movies, it was a lot of Schwarzenegger who was bigger, stronger, and also in the movies a better fighter than everyone else. Yeah. Stallone, who was you know mowing down entire armies, is Rambo. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Seagal, who you know would would, bar- would barely get touched during his fight scenes, and this was different than that, where you had Keanu again, Keanu 
pretty much got beat up the entire movie. Yeah, and you know, no, no one's really yeah, exactly. No one's a great fighter in this, but they're uh, they're just kind of normal guys who are trying their best. I think. Right, right. Nobody seems to. The fights are interesting because nobody seems to know karate or kung fu. No. It's all very meat and potatoes. Punch each other, punch each other, knee each other in the stomachs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and yeah, the, it, it never, it's always, it's not, it's never pretty. And uh, even, yeah, the other action scenes, like the, that famous sort of uh, foot chase is very messy. You know, he throws the dog. But I think that's also something that I particularly like about this movie is that while it does have that 80s sheen and that kind of poppiness of a lot of the um, 80s action movies, I mean, it's 90s, but. Um, of the movies of the time, it still does have some grounding in realness and um, and some grounding in drama, even though a lot of moments do come off um, somewhat comically. Yeah. It's taking itself seriously the whole time, even if there's some moments that are a little bit heightened and, uh, if you will, sort of and can be, come off as a little goofy. It's definitely, we had this sort of, uh, you, you called me on my shit a little bit when I was ta- talking about it like a, a silly movie like it's it's going for drama the whole time i think no the, the concept's ridiculous but everyone's taking it serious yes, yes exactly so there's no winking at the audience there's no campiness Mm-mm. um yeah it, it, and one thing that it, going back to the minute um we're talking about the ridiculousness and you guys touched upon it before where it sounds ridiculous like the the ex-presidents are surfers, but it's like, you know, what, it's not that crazy. And what I do find interesting is Keanu doesn't take a lot of convincing. No, no, he, he's, yeah, as he said, like with the mustache, the whole mustache line, he's kind of, you know, poking fun at him a little bit, but he seems like he's on board with it. And for, you know, to give him credit, it, it makes sense with the, the sex wax and they are in LA. So why not surfers? Yeah. And the, and the timeline. Yeah, and they, they start getting into the, yeah, it's always summer. I'm wondering how many years these guys have been going, because he talks about years previous. Every year, it's always these four months. Yeah. It, well, it was also funny. And listen, I know this is not trying to be a gritty docudrama. Yeah. Um, I, I know in real life, bank robbers are never successful long term because, you know, banks are their job is to protect the money in the banks. So it's really hard. To, and, and this, it's not like this took place in the forties or fifties. Yeah. It was in, it was 90, whatever, you know, they had a lot of the modern uh, surveillance devices, uh, the packets in the money to the, you know, all that stuff. It, you know, it, it's, uh, it is crazy that they'd be able to do this for years and follow along. It's like, you know, there's there's, there's probably better ways to make money. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But they they want to do it the crazy way. As well, you know, we don't know who these guys are yet. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. It is kind of another argument against the servers that they're they have to be so precise. There's so many things that could go wrong in a bank robbery, and they always get the timing just right. And even down uh, to the butt showing. Even down, and he even has time to to show his butt to the camera at the end. And they still get out in time. <laughs> I guess the good thing well, is that there's no butt print, no butt printing. Otherwise, they'd, they'd have him. 
Well, it's also funny, uh, and jumping way ahead, of course, the only time when there's somebody else armed in the bank is when Keanu is with them during the bank robberies. Mm. Like, this is the first time there was an off-duty cop in a bank. You've been doing yeah. it how many times? Yeah. Yeah, that's the first yeah. time is when he's there, of course, and that's when it gets interesting for them. And it is interesting, too, that, like, we talk about in a couple minutes previous that the numbers that John C. McKinley gives um, oh, yeah. gives Keanu in terms of the amount of bank robberies that happened in L.A. in the previous year to this movie is something like what? Like over a thousand bank robberies happened. 1,300. 1,300 bank robberies. In L.A. County alone. <laughs> That's yeah. what it was. So that means like what? Like four so odd, some odd bank robberies a day. Yeah. Which is, yeah, very bonkers. Um, yeah. And he, he says they they uh, they caught over a thousand of them, I think. Which you know, I guess considering the volume, that's pretty good. But <laughs> but given that bank robberies are never, well, hardly ever, if ever, successful, like why are people still robbing banks? And... Well, yeah, and, and bank robberies, you know, again, we're we're talking real life and not necessarily yes. movie world. You know, real life bank robberies aren't done by, you know. It, 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 Precision teams of, you know, near military quality individuals. They're done by desperate, broke, drug-addled people. You know, every now and then you hear the story of the guy who tries to rob the bank and, you know, the guy says like, oh, we're out of money. You'll have to come back or you'll have to show us ID before you can, you know. Yeah, and and then he just goes, yeah, it's it's never, it's desperate people who don't really know what they're doing in in real life. Yeah. Which in a way is kind of what the ex-presidents are. Wouldn't you say? I would say they're... Yeah, I but mean, they're just those guys, but they're smart and precise. That's yeah. true. That's very true. They don't seem desperate to me. This is just like, I mean, for for uh, Bodhi, at least, mm-hmm. who we haven't met yet. Uh, but for Bodhi, it's like, this is the lifestyle he wants. He wants the rush. It's just like, you know, this happens to be a rush that he can pay his bills with. Yeah. What yeah. few bills he has, probably. I don't think he really lives This is more fun than working at a Boardwalk Fries. Yeah, he, yeah. you know, this is a guy, so, as we'll, we'll discuss it more later, but he could not survive with a uh, 9-to-5 job. He yeah. needs something that is just crazy and it could, could go wrong at any moment. Just like, you know, he goes to the, the Bell's Beach at the end where he knows he's probably going to die, but he goes anyway. This is the guy, you know, he needs a job that is crazy. And there's the shark teasers. Mm-hmm. They go. They just, that is something we brought up way early on. Yeah, and then this minute ends. Oh, I wanted. To, I wanted oh, to bring sorry. up one more thing. It looks like Gary Busey is drinking straight Jack Daniels in this too, from the bottle. Yeah. Well, Keanu Reeves is drinking Corona. Yeah, he's drinking Corona, but Gary Busey. Yeah, I think it's Jack Daniels, but it's definitely like a hard liquor straight from the bottle. And he does a nice uh, when he when he takes a, a a slug of it. He does a nice sort of wince. So either either it's real or he just does a very natural, you know, Academy Award nominee. So I believe him either way. So so has anybody here worked at a job where just having the alcohol out while you're working at the job is an acceptable part of business, especially when it's not just like a you know a beer. A, like five o'clock on Fridays. Like, no, in the middle of doing this, you're no. going to be drinking Jack Daniels. No, 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 I definitely haven't. And yeah, it does. It does play like they're just at like 
Gary Busey's house at the end of the day. But no, they're in the office. But I, I kind of get the sense that this is like the after hours kind of version of them being cops. Yeah. Like they're like they're staying after, putting in a few, like when everyone else is gone. But that's not really police. I mean, that's not really any sort of law enforcement. They're sort of 24-7 institutions, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So, they're, yeah, they wouldn't be the only ones, you know, especially with the, you know, 1,300 bank robberies a year. And you actually see a guy in the background, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, you see a guy in the beginning of this minute, or might have been even the beginning of last minute, in the background, like, putting papers away or something. So they're not even alone in the office. But you would also think, given how the John C... Is it John C. McGinley or just John McGinley? John C. McGinley. Given how John C. McGinley runs this office in terms of um, no sugar, no caffeine, no smoking, why would... Corona and oh he w- yeah Jack he would Daniels. be blowing his top if he saw yeah. this he he wants as he said he wants his agents in top condition that includes dieting so yeah he definitely he I think he even said no alcohol no caffeine something so, tells me that Gary Busey isn't one of his top yeah, agents no he's not one of his top I think yeah the point is you know at this point Gary Busey no one really cares about him at this this uh, department anymore he's, he's right. kind of been written off. So maybe that's why they get away with drinking is because people are like, eh. He's... Yeah. And since Keanu Reeves is his partner now, which he kind of got, you know, they threw Keanu Reeves in with the, the sort of lower rung agent who's over the hill. So they might not be getting a lot of oversight at this point. Yeah. The only um, other thing that really struck me with this minute is, and I think I sort of remember this when I first saw the movie. I first saw this movie in theaters. Really? Yeah. I saw it during the summer. It was, uh, we were actually on a, my parents would take us to the beach every year and I got to take um, a buddy of mine with me. And me and my buddy went and saw this in the theaters. So it was funny, you know, we're at the beach and going to see this movie, which is so beach themed. But what struck me is when they sort of described the plan, I was like, well, the ex-president's plan sounds kind of fun. Um. It's like, hey, this sounds nice. Just they just go along and they make a real point of saying they're not killing anybody. They're not obviously there's a certain level of implied or threatened violence with a bank robbery, but they're not going out of their way to hurt anybody. They've so never, they, yeah, they've never shot anybody. That's they say that specifically. Yeah, it's like, oh, these guys seem fine. Leave them alone. Nobody's getting hurt. Yeah, that's a good point. Somebody's but, insured. Yeah. You know, Gary Busey. It's his white whale. So yeah. he's got to pursue it. And uh, it, it's sort of something that uh, Jessica was uh, sort of alluding to. They're, they're making it okay for you to root for Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So you don't want him caught. And, you know, they're they're sort of laying that track down now. It's like, they're bad guys, but they're not bad, bad guys. Yeah, they, they do make sure you know that, like, they're not, they're not, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm curious, what did you guys... Think. Do you remember like what you thought after seeing the movie for the first time in theaters? First off, we just couldn't believe that was Ted from Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah, was was that? I mean, I, I was I was one when this movie came out, so it, that was pretty much what Keanu Reeves was known for at this point, right? That was his big hit, right? Yeah, uh, that was his most well-known thing. Now he had done some other movies yeah. where he wasn't playing Ted, but you know, he he was. He, he was still like considered to be like a, uh, he also was in a very very good movie called Parenthood uh-huh. 
but he was still like a, a young, dumb, whoa guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah but they just him... took that and put it into a moderately more realistic, serious movie. That was an early Ron Howard film. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we've seen him in Dangerous Liaisons. We know him well from that. And he's yeah. still kind of, yeah, kind of a young, dumb, earnest guy. Mm-hmm. Just in, yeah, well, he, he yeah, in he, France. you know, in Dangerous Liaisons, first off, it, he was poorly cast because it was a, a you know, a, a costume drama. Yes. Uh, but to give you an idea how different it was, he, at the end of the movie, he has like a sword fight with John Malkovich, mm-hmm. and he, he was completely overmatched by John Malkovich, where Malkovich just looked like bothered that Keanu Reeves dared challenge him. Yes. Yeah. So, so he just, ends up, it, Reeves ends up winning that fight in the end, but yeah. It was more John Malkovich wanted to lose. He was yes. like yeah, exactly. was suicide by Ted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But just I'm, the idea of, can you imagine now a, a movie where uh, Keanu Reeves is physically no match for John Malkovich? <laughs> and that just seems ridiculous. Yeah, or yeah. imagining him at this point in his career doing a costume drama. Yeah, well, yeah, people learned yeah, I mean, dangerously liaisons, and he was in a Kenneth Branagh directed um, much ado about, about nothing. I know that one. Where well. he was terrible. He's he's ridiculous in that. Yeah, doing Shakespeare. I'm a man and, of few words, but yeah, he's and he does he plays the villain too. So he, I was talking to someone about this. He like and he does like an even gruffer kind of like this is what a bad guy talks like kind of voice. It's it's ridiculous. Well, you know, put him in a Shakespeare film. With Kenneth Branagh, Emma Thompson, Denzel Washington. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah. and then Keanu was like, what, what What the hell's happening? Oh, poor yeah. Keanu, always being. Yeah. He tries. He always tries. Yeah. Was he, he, must, he must have just been cast based on his stardom at that point, I guess. Well, he's good. a likable guy. He's pretty good. By that point, he was pretty good box office. Yeah. And he wants to take these challenges. Yeah, he wants um, you know, to be a serious actor. Absolutely. Well, people forget the first thing he did after Speed came out. It wasn't, you know, try to work on Speed 2. It wasn't doing another action film. He did a he starred in a stage production of Hamlet. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. his Hamlet. Yeah. I I've I mean, I didn't see it obviously, but I've heard people actually like that. I don't know if you remember the reactions it got. He had a long run uh and people who went to the later Apparently, it took a while for him to really get his feet underneath him. My favorite review, though, was an early review that was a little tough on him. And it said, well, he said the words in the right order. Oh. Well, he but, Oh, sorry. But it's, you know, with something like that, it's not even about being good. It's like, wow, that takes a lot of balls for a guy who's not really known as a Shakespearean-style actor who could be doing getting paid $20 million. They were talking about him doing a Tom Clancy movie. Oh. Yeah. Um, you know, he, but instead he was doing some sort of daring stuff. So and that's sort of the likable thing about Keanu Reeves where he, he does sort of off kilter different films. Um, and then he'll do stuff like do a stage production of Hamlet or be the bassist in dog star. He's not even trying to be the lead <laughs> yeah. singer or the lead guitarist. He's like, I'll just be the bassist. Cause I want to hang out and like pretend I'm a, a, a music guy for a while. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He seems like he'd be a good guy to hang out with. Absolutely. You know, he's, he, I've heard he's just very nice, and he's just he he does a lot of you know good work out there and stuff like that. And he's yeah he all he never phones it in, even when he's out of his depth. Right, right. You know, and 
hell, why not? Yeah, yeah. why not? It's easy to do the stuff that you're comfortable with over and over again, but take and we talk a lot about this on the Cosmic Chibetto podcast. Well, you know, we talk a lot about comic book movies and genre movies, and I'm uh, very fond of directors. A uh, good example, bringing back to Keanu Reeves, the Wachowskis, mm-hmm. where they did the Matrix movies, and then they've done stuff like uh, they've just done some wild movies since yeah. then, uh, Jupiter Ascending, and. The movies aren't always good. In fact, I don't even think the Wachowskis have a great um, uh, batting, uh, batting average. Yeah. yeah. But they're always swinging for the fences and trying something weird or kooky or different. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for artists who don't just keep doing the same movies over and over again. Mm-hmm. They try something crazy, wild, and different. And even if it doesn't work, I give them a lot of credit for taking that swing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. All right. I think that's about it for this minute. Do you have anything else? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, once again, we're at the recommendations segment. Um, well, do you want to kick off the recommendations this time? Certainly. Certainly. Um, one recommendation, uh, I always like to tie back into uh, Guys Which Better podcast. One of our favorite recurring guests has been a band from New York. It's a, a husband-wife duo called Babe Town. And they do uh, a really fun uh, surf rock with a, a lot of production. And they put out a wonderful album last year called uh, 1989 is Hell. And uh, what it was is, I don't know if you guys are fans of the musician Ryan Adams. Don't know uh, him very well. Yeah. Uh, he, he put out a song uh, that's been covered a bunch of times, including once by Tim McGraw called Stars Go Blue. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of an alt-country, but was a little bit of rock guy. And what Ryan Adams did is he did his own version of the Taylor Swift album, 1989. Oh, wow. <laughs> Babe Town thought it was really fun. So what they did is uh, one of Ryan Adams' best albums is uh, Love is Hell. They redid his album, 1989. Is, uh, they did his album, Love is Hell, in the style of Taylor Swift's 1989. Oh, awesome. my God. Awesome. Really cool stuff, and they have a new album uh, called uh, Welcome to Babe Town. It's going to be coming out uh, any day now. They are um, very talented, a lot of fun. It's really fun, poppy music. Uh, they also couldn't be any nicer. They are just lovely people. I've had a chance to talk with them a couple times. They've uh, come to, on the show twice. Uh, so highly recommend Babe Town. And uh, their uh, website. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, I think it's Babe Town the Band. Uh, if you search Babe Town the Band, you'll find them really quick. But they are a, a really, really impressive people as well. Um, she's a videographer. Uh, he was um, he worked in New York politics and has been writing for some. Uh, I think he's I think he's written for Forbes magazine. So they're oh. just really impressive people who also are, are wildly talented musicians. So uh, highly recommended. That sounds wow, amazing. Yeah. I definitely want to check out that 1989 is hell album uh, and the I, I was just talking to Jessa today I, I re- I'm a really big fan of uh, mashups and I had the idea to do a podcast where I review just random mashups people do on the internet so that's not uh, exactly a mashup but it's definitely kind of playing with taking uh, one piece of art and kind of turning it into something else and that's what I really I really enjoy stuff like that well I was uh, I was thinking about um, we brought up uh, Keanu Reeves' Hamlet today, and that reminded me of uh, Slings and Arrows. 
Slings and Arrows is one of my favorite shows. I'm an actor. I've done a lot of Shakespeare, and uh, it's definitely a very entertaining take on a theater company that does Shakespeare. Um, it's a Canadian show uh, from the mid, uh, I think it started in like 2006 or so. Maybe, no, before that, maybe. But uh, their first season, they do Hamlet, and uh, they have a movie star come in to play Hamlet. And if, uh, I've heard that that is taken pretty directly from uh, you know, the Keanu Reeves doing Hamlet story, where they wanted to kind of explore the dynamic of uh, the movie star has never done Shakespeare coming in and working with a bunch of professional theater actors. And uh, the first season is just fantastic. There's six episodes, and there's two more after that. And uh, it's, it's one of my favorite shows. It's uh, Slings and Arrows. Uh, yeah. And you don't have to be an, uh, you know, a Shakespeare connoisseur, per se, to enjoy it either. I, no. As much as Murren is a brilliant Shakespeare actor, oh, I you. honestly do not understand Shakespeare. Uh, it's <laughs> the hardest thing for me to, to get. I, if I go see him in a show, I'm like, okay, tell me the plot ahead of time. Tell me where your character is. Like, tell me so I can, like, see if I can understand what's going on. Um, but, this, have, you know, having said that... With slings and arrows, uh, it's it's super easy to follow. It's enjoyable. It's engaging. Um, they they make it very approachable and um, and, and entertaining. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Also features uh, what's his name? Mark Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall is on it. And he's great. Oh, nice. He's also one of the writers, I believe. So yeah, definitely slings and arrows, a good time. Real yeah. quick, guys, how, how did you guys meet? Um, we met because um, I used to be an actor as well, and um, we met during our first professional show um, back when I was fifteen. And um, yeah, yeah, we yeah we met when we were teenagers in uh, in high school, and we did you know theater. Uh, we were theater kids, and um, we didn't start dating till years later. Um, kind of. At a reunion of sorts, and uh, I, I was leaving for Portland at the time. We were both in Seattle, and uh, I, I just had a crush, and <laughs> I decided to give it a shot, even though I was leaving, and uh, that turned into a long-distance relationship, and then now we're living together. So, yeah. Um, I, I used to do, the reason I ask, I used to do theater as well. I used to do community theater in Baltimore, and uh, the way my wife met is a friend of hers decided that my my this young woman had been single for too long, so she brought her to a play I was in, and I was in a musical version of Christmas Carol. Awesome. And we met ever so was, briefly. Was that, real quick, is that Scrooge the musical? Yes. I've been in that yes. too. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. Thank it's you very, indeed, video. I was in that number. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had a small part in it, and I uh, co-directed the show. Awesome. And uh, we met ever so briefly, and beautiful woman, and uh, our mutual friend's like, hey, you know, she, she, she's like me. He's like, well, you should bring her around or we can hang out. It'd be wonderful. Brings her to the next show I'm in, which is called uh, Blue Room. Mm-hmm. And uh, Blue Room, uh, it was uh, Hare, Tom, Thomas Hare, uh, written play. And it um, mm-hmm. was a show sort of notorious that when it was on Broadway, it featured Nicole Kidman. She bared her rear end in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they didn't talk about is the... Uh, there was just a lot of nudity in this play. Yeah. So the second time I met my wife, she was in the second row, and I was stark naked. Oh, my God. Oh. Theater in the round. So there's no demurely turning around, so you're only bearing your rent. It's like, no, she got the full show, probably 10 feet away from me. I was like, well, 
pretty much just skipped to the third date there, didn't we? Yeah. Oh wow, that's that's quite a story. <laughs> we, I mean, we actually even have some friends like um, Philip, who the way that they met their significant others is through like um, you know being in a show together and like, oh, we just met. Now I have to like grope you or yeah. Um, so the theater makes for some wonderful introductions indeed yeah yeah Yeah. that's that's what you get used to doing theater i mean sure you know like sometimes yeah you meet someone and then you have to make out with them you know you know in a few days or something like that and it's just it you just got to you just have to embrace it because it's your job and uh it's something nice about that yeah and you can tell someone who's been doing it for a while and i i I knew this like okay i've been at this for a while because uh, I was in Comeback Little Shiva, and I had to kiss the, fem- the, the, the the young woman who played my fiance in that show. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one performance where they actually had to have someone step in. And uh, it was, you know, say the name was Carol. I was like, oh, hi, Carol. How you doing? How you doing? I was like, all right, we're going to do a quick rehearsal. I was like, sure. And then we just, like, made out a little bit. It's like, good for you. Good for you. All right. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Like, uh, you know what? This used to be more exciting. I... I, I... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The thr- the thrill uh, dwindles. Yeah, after a while, <laughs> you do it enough. So, for my recommendation, speaking of community theater, I am going to recommend my favorite comedy of all time, um, the Christopher Guest film "Waiting for Guffman," mm. um, <clears throat> which is um, a movie about Christopher Guest character Corky, um, who has an amazing bowl cut he wears his pants backwards <laughs> like crisscross um and he directs a community theater production of um an original work celebrating a town's bi- bicentennial um, uh yeah i think so and it has uh parker posey and Catherine o'hara and fred willard in it some amazing musical numbers, um, some great dancing, some really good quotable lines. Anybody who's ever done community theater um, or ever done any theater or been in that crowd, um, there's some hilarious inside jokes and things where you go, oh my God, I've totally been through that. Yeah. Um, oh, you know the people in that pl- oh, in that movie. Totally. You, you've, you've done shows with them. You've done yeah. shows with the... People are doing a little dink community theater, but they've you've been the lead in a couple shows in a row, and they suddenly think they're a real freaking big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know the people who, you know, the nice guy who just wants to do something a little creative, and everyone thinks, and, and but is actually trying to be practical, and no one listens to him because he's the practical guy. Yeah. And nobody believes a practical guy can be creative. And he just, I, I felt for that guy. It's like, yeah. oh. And was, was that Eugene Levy, or was that the Bob Balaban? I think it was Bob Balaban. Yeah, he's the music yeah, director. Eugene, he's... Levy. Eugene Levy was the guy who, you know, I've known this guy too, who was completely dissatisfied with his life and thought he kept saying he was going to do this little lark, but actually you could tell he just so desperately wanted to be discovered and be yeah. on the David Letterman show the following week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he, at the, yeah, at the end he has the, the act with the, for the, the – Retirement. retirement home yeah, yeah. yeah. Bob Balaban's one of my favorite performances in that movie because he is like the serious one and he just he doesn't even say that much but just like you see a shot of him every now and then and he's just like so frustrated with what's going on and he just wants to do a good job yeah yeah, yeah. No, great movie great that's a yeah. that's a great recommendation yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a classic. Yeah. He sings songs from it often. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a side note on that, if you look for the, the outtake, This Bulging River, that's a really good time, too. It's not. It was cut out of the movie for some reason, but it's a really funny song about like the Great Flood in Missouri, in uh, Blaine, Missouri. That's a that's a fun. This bulging river. It might be on like the DVD extras or something like that, but it's on YouTube as well. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in to another Point Break Minute. Uh, I think the half of that episode was just talking about <laughs> recommendations and other things, but that's fine. There wasn't as much in this minute. Uh, we'll uh, catch you next time, minute fourteen, and. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Brad, for being on. Uh, thanks, guys. This is a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you on, and uh, and be sure to thank Jar for us. And uh, we'll be we'll be guests on your podcast at some point. Yeah. Uh, and we'll figure that out. Give Cosmetic Geppetto a listen. Co- cosmic Geppetto. Co- I'm sorry. What did I say? <laughs> you said cos- cosmetic Geppetto. Oh my gosh! Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining stylist, I'm imagining what Cosmetic Geppetto would be about at this point. That could be a, be a different show. A yeah. Different yeah. show for yeah. sure. Maybe you should start that podcast and talk <laughs> <Yeah>. about cosmetics. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time on Point Break Minute. Chill out, bro.